This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. And I think the only other guy that goes back that far is Mike Hendrickson. <laughs> Mike, uh, you've uh, uh, been on KWSN Radio, but a lot of people that are they're new to Sioux Falls, you were on KELO AM Radio back in the days when we were statewide with KDLO and K, you know, KPLO and, and uh, uh, the other, other arrangements, you know, what, 50 years ago? Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty remarkable to see this building change. I actually have been coming in and out of the Kello Studios, what I call the Kello Studios, uh, since 1988, and uh, had finally achieved Sioux Falls. Started off doing afternoons and moved into mornings when Harley Worth it left, and Chad McKenzie and I did mornings, and man, we had a ball. Well, you were able to keep your real name. I was. Yeah. Yes. I- uh, a lot of us had to change our name. Uh, in my case, uh, Dave Dedrick was a morning man at that time when we were back in the uh, TV station building. Right. And somebody kept dumping garbage uh, on his front lawn because they knew he was on the air. Oh, sure. For some reason. Yeah, yeah. And so they made us all change our name, John. Right. John is actually my middle name. Okay. Uh, people don't know that. But, Mike, the uh, radio has changed quite a bit, too. It has changed unbelievable amounts um some for the better some for the worse uh it used to be that you could only that a company could only own was it five stations or seven at the most uh, Mm -hmm. five i think and only two in any given market and what you and i got into john when we started in the business what we got into was broadcasting now everything is narrow casting. Now we have so many more stations. We have so many, so much more. The te- the technology has allowed for syndication to sweep the country. I think I've told the. I know I've told this story before. I'm not sure if I've told it to you. I have a a postcard, one of those that that we send out at Christmas time, from 1992, and it's Kello AM and Kello FM. And it's only the full-time announcers, and there's 11 of us on there. That didn't count the part-timers, because we were live 24-7. Well, now there's, what, seven stations in this building? And six or seven. Seven, I guess. And I would be hard-pressed to find 11 full-time announcers between seven stations. And back then, we had them for two. So, yeah, it certainly has changed an awful lot through the years. Well, all media, uh, the newspaper isn't, oh, yeah. isn't, isn't the same that it was. No, so no. Much. Uh, that big building down there, I don't know what they're going to do with that big printing press because they had to build a building around it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's that's that's really odd to know that that's not where the Argus is anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just because that was such a, such a temple. Uh, take a look at television. How many mm-hmm. of the folks... Uh, part of it was due to the pandemic, but they're keeping an awful lot of the techniques. You just basically give a reporter his own camera, and he can, you know, edit it and send it back to the st- station. They don't have to actually go into, you know, Dakota News Now or Kello or any of those places. Or somebody else can take a camera and make a podcast and uh, do exactly. the same thing. Yes. Yep, it's, absolutely. It's, it's kind of like uh, even in the DJ business for dances like weddings and stuff, now everybody's a DJ. Exactly. Now everybody's a radio announcer. Exactly. Now everybody's a TV reporter. Yep. Everybody's a newspaper, uh, you know, podcast. Exactly. Um, so 
a lot of people don't understand, you know, those were the good old days. <laughs> well, I, and, and I imagine that there's some people that will, you know, look back at now. I was talking with Jason Andera from Midco Sports Network, and he was even saying how much it has changed in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you take a look, and obviously I'm a sports guy now, have been, you know, exclusively sports for the last 20 years, but... You take a look. So much of these high school kids, their productions of streaming ball games is getting so much better. They're getting great experience from that. I wish I would have had that type of opportunity to uh, have you know that chance to get my foot in to broadcasting. And so they're doing so well. You wonder where that's going to develop because that's just exploded even in the last ten years. Well, the one thing though is radio. Right. Keeps going. It does. That. I, how many times have you and I heard the death knell for radio? Mm-hmm. And and here it still is. Well, they thought drive-in movies were going to take <laughs> it up. They thought that uh, uh, television was going to take oh, it yes. up. Oh, yes. They thought that cable was going to, we're still here. Yep. And that's because, uh, first of all, we're local. Right. Um, we do uh, a lot of things that you know are just for this community, but we don't do uh, lost dogs anymore. Right. Right. True. <laughs> True. Don't read obituaries no, anymore. No. No. Uh, unless you're a small town station. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's just it. Uh, you're calling all sports was on how many stations? Uh, that it, it's actually on 15 stations mm-hmm. in uh, Northwest Iowa, Southwest Minnesota, and Eastern South Dakota. The uh, South Dakota Sports History Show was on 20 stations, and yes, you're right, and that was just in South Dakota. There's a lot of places. They're still reading the obituaries, and they're still doing the Lost Dogs. Mm -hmm. They are being ultra-local to take care of their listeners. And I think one of the biggest things, all right, you mentioned like podcasts and, and, you know, bloggers and that sort of thing. I think what a radio station the thing that has kept radio going is there's a trust that has been built up. It's it's something that you're comfortable with. It's something that you know. you. It's always been steady in what it has provided. And I think because if, if you put out a podcast, and I live in Omaha, for instance, I wouldn't know you from Adam as far as whether or not to trust you or, or are you saying factual things, what, you know, but I think Local radio still brings that trust factor, and I think that's that's going to be its strength moving forward, too. Well, looking back, Mike, uh, we did the last show at the State Theater. Right, right. Uh, tell that story, because that's, that's an example. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we ended up, back then, Midco owned Kello TV, Kello mm-hmm. Radio, they owned the State Theater, they owned a bunch of things, and... So we did, for a Christmas show, we did a live show downtown at the State Theater and broadcasted on the radio. And uh, Ken Hirsch came, and uh, I remember, and for those of you who don't remember, Ken was a long time, he actually did some sports too, but was probably best known as the weathercaster. Ken came, and, you know, we're in the State Theater, which is just, you know, weeks from getting condemned mm-hmm. and and we kind of smell something and it's the smell of electric burning that's something that john and i are very familiar with you maybe have but like when a toaster goes bad and i remember saying something it's like 
is is this place going to catch on fire? And and Ken Hirsch goes, well, it might have been me. I just had a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, this was this was a different smell than that. So yeah, that was that was an awful lot of fun to do a live show uh, in front of people and at the same time broadcast it on the radio. Yeah, it's kind of like the Ted Mac. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> That's and, going and back. The girl uh, that won, uh, I think, it was from Laverne or Pipestone tap dance really yeah yeah uh but i brought my speakers down and and we hooked it up and we had a you know like i say a live show on from the state theater right just like the old bondville exactly yeah yeah Yeah. that's what it that's what it felt like it was an awful lot of fun well actually hello radio used to be right across from the state theater uh above the lewis drug store at that time second floor and uh, lofty told me that uh well, they uh, used to run a, a mic court across the street. Right. And they would broadcast the first part of the movie. No kidding. And then they would say, well, if you want to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's that's live radio. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Boy, still... there's another guy. You know, when we lost Ray Loftus, mm-hmm. what a... What a treasure trove of history he was uh, for all of the things. Because, and again, a lot of you will have to look this up, but the guy toured with Fred Waring Orchestra yep. for crying out loud. So, yeah, he was he was amazing. Well, he brought a lot of people to Sioux Falls. Uh, back then, we were kind of the halfway stop between Minneapolis and Denver for all of these uh, big shows like Frank Sinatra and Jimmy Durante and... and Lofty had signatures from all of those people, but they would play at the Alcorta Ballroom. Right. Because the trains could only go so far, and the engineer was supposed to go get some sleep, you know? <laughs> so we were kind of a stop for a Tuesday or Wednesday. Right, right. And, An uh, off night. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we would have all those people here. The State Theater actually had a uh, tunnel going over to the hotel across the street so that the uh, they, they could, you know, skip the paparazzi or whatever they Right, did. right. But let's, I mean, Sioux Falls has a rich radio history um you know that uh, continues it it does yeah it truly does well mike your uh, history of sports show yes they're not hearing it this week uh tell them why uh, we uh, we lost a sponsor on that i was very grateful to the sponsors for the last two and a half years and to be honest with you i was i was planning on only doing it for the rest of this year anyway um but when we lost the sponsorship i thought okay how can i best serve my time and and preserve still preserve history and frankly make some money so i am taking the time that i uh, used to spend each week and by the way it is really nice not having a deadline on thursday night to upload a show as you well know doing this <laughs> show every week um but i am actually going back the first book that i wrote was called first person legendary south dakota sports stories and it was a compilation of interviews that I had done. There were 15 of them in that first book. And the response was great. And so I am now taking that time that I would be working on my weekly history show to compile more books. And I've got enough interviews done that I can I can make this a bit of a cottage industry if, if that's what I decide to do. I can do plenty of them. I am delighted with the fact that I can you know, that I talked to so many of these people, some of them are gone now, but it's just another way back to what we were talking about of preserving history. And in this case, the, uh, the great sports characters, coaches and athletes and officials 
that we've had in the state of South Dakota. So we can preserve that for future generations as well. Well, we had you on when you had that first book out, but now you have a second book. Now I have three. Three, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about it. Okay, yeah. You had us on, Cindy Bahi and I, a year ago, uh, had come out with Genuine Journeys of Life, which was, again, and I feel kind of, I feel kind of like a fraud being referred to as an author because I don't actually write much. Um, I just let other people tell their stories. And Genuine Journeys of Life is real-life stories that have happened to people. We all have our unique experiences, um, whether it's, you know, uh, Andre Fields being pulled over the first time for quote-unquote matching the description, whether it's... uh, a friend of ours that, that we've known for a long time, I had never heard the story about her wearing a, gino, a gigantic uh, mascot head working for a taco joint. It, that was hilarious. <laughs> um, there was it, it was just a real nice cross-section of stories that were inspirational or funny or just one of those that go, ah, I'll be doggone. And the response to that for Cindy Bahi and myself was really great, so we did volume two. And we actually had people volunteering saying, hey, if you ever do another book, you know, I, I did I ever tell you about this? And so we uh, just before Christmas, we came out with Genuine Journeys of Life, Volume 2. And both of those books are available at uh, uh, GenuineJourneysOfLife.com. And it's really worked out well. Uh, the response, again, has been very, very good. So, yeah, I guess... I guess late in life, John, I'm becoming an author. Well, now, how do you promote the book? That was interesting because for the first one, for for my solo book, for first person, it was really, really grassroots. We really did, I, over the course of time, I've gotten to know a lot of people across the state of South Dakota. So it was wonderful because I could just text Ben Hanton, for instance, down in Yankton at Ben's Brewing and say, hey, Ben, I want to come down and have a book signing. You know, I'll be there on a Tuesday night from five to seven. Hopefully we'll bring in a few people for you and I can sell and sign the books. And and whether it was Beersford or Spearfish or Aberdeen, I was up at, at Loggers up in Aberdeen on a Memorial Day weekend. And it was it was great. I had no idea who was going to turn out. But then I would promote that on social media, of course, each time. Well, the bad news is along came COVID, and we weren't as comfortable having those book signings in certain places as we were. Now, as we see the COVID numbers turning in the right direction finally again, I think that we are going to be getting back to doing a lot more of those types of events, just coming to each town. and, And to me, John, as much fun as writing the book and sharing the stories is for me, the real fun is the book signings. You get to see people you haven't seen in a long time. Dave Vilhauer is 35 years in the uh, media business up in Aberdeen. Dave and I have seen each other at tournaments. We've become friends, etc. But like that day up at, at loggers in Aberdeen, he just came and hung out for an hour. We weren't, you know, covering the ball game. We weren't doing anything other than hanging out. And there are so many folks that I have met, so many people that I have reconnected with for that. Uh, It's just, that's the most fun part. You're never going to make money writing a book uh, unless you're John Grisham. 
but or you know some big name but as long as you know we, we're breaking even we're not losing any money because the response has been good so consequently you have to figure out what the real value of it is and the real value to me is seeing the people well where are you going to be going i we don't have it lined up just yet okay. i am this is my sprint time of year when it comes to sports because we've got the NSIC tournament going on, then we've got the Summit League tournament going on, and then I'll be doing my, I think, 20th year of, of uh, helping cover state high school basketball tournaments for South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Um, so once I, and then I'm going down to spring training, hoping there will be a spring training uh, in at the end of March to go down and just vacation for a couple of days. But once I get through that sprint of March, uh, just follow me on social media. I'll be letting you know where we're going to be. Well, if you haven't recognized the voice, we're talking to Mike <laughs> Hendrickson. Uh, did you do sports in high school? I, you know, I wasn't good enough. That's that's a great question. I came from a small town, and people in this part of the world, certain people will understand this. We were the armor of Nebraska. The basketball team won like 72 games in a row. Football team won like 30, et cetera. So I'm I'm pumped. You know, I'm I'm I've always loved sports and and wasn't bad at it at that level. Well, my freshman year, we ended up moving to Lincoln, Nebraska. My high school basketball team, John, was six seven, six six, six six across the front line. We had a six five guard who converted to center in college and went on to become Nebraska Wesleyan's all-time leading scorer. And then we had a pair of 6'8 twins coming off the bench. Mm. The six-foot forward with not much vertical leap and no real jump shot didn't have much of a chance. I kept trying out every year, and, and we played intramurals and that sort of thing. But that's kind of when I figured out, boy, if I want to hang around sports, it's obviously obvious that my NBA dreams and also... Uh, I love baseball. Baseball is probably my favorite sport, but about eighth grade is when kids started throwing curveballs, and I couldn't hit them. So, again, wasn't wasn't good for that. Never had any desire to play football whatsoever, which actually a bunch of the people, because it was right before my freshman year, as I said, a lot of the people in the small town, my, my buddies knew, but parents would find out and go, what's a big kid like you not going to play football? You know, I, I, I don't want to play football, but no. So I didn't, I didn't take part in high school sports, but I certainly have always loved them. I, and the reason I didn't is plain and simple. I wasn't good enough. Well, tell us about your first radio experience. My first radio experience. I went off to Dana college in Blair, Nebraska, which is the campus is still there. The college is no longer. And, but being a good Lutheran that I am. I go off to Dana, and the main reason that I went there was because of the fact they had a college radio station, and it was what I knew I wanted to do, which is also probably why my grades in high school suffered, because I didn't see the point of a lot of what I was, was learning at the time. Um, if I had a dime for every time I had a teacher say, you know, underachieving, um, I, I would be retired by now, but... I went off to Dana, and there were four of us freshmen 
that got very involved in the campus radio station, along with, with a couple of other upperclassmen that were involved as well. But of those four, three of us are still involved in it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. The The fourth one, who was probably the best, he's the guy who's retired in Arizona that I'm going down to stay with at spring training in his uh, uh, five-bedroom home. So he probably made the best move. But, yeah, calling games at Dana. Um, I remember there was, there was one time that, and, and, of course, we didn't have commercials. So there was no break. You were just broadcasting, whether it was football or basketball or whatever the case may be. There was one time I had to do the game from a payphone out in the hallway. That was back <laughs> in the days of, of when you had to hook up telephone yeah, lines. Copper to, wire. Exactly. Yeah. I, was, I was actually, I could see half the court, but my buddy was standing in the doorway and he was kind of relaying to me what, it, what was happening at the side that I couldn't see. So yeah, that was a great training ground, but we uh we actually had keys to the station and i suppose the statute of limitations has run out here by now we had keys to the station and every now and then we would broadcast radio free blair we'd just go sneak into the station turn it on and play music for our friends that they could listen to in their dorm room so it was a great experience dave dedwick told me once he said again the limitations have run out but right. uh, he was at the old milwaukee cafe back during the uh, early 50s right and there was a lot of the uh, servicemen from the, uh, the radar school that we had here. There's actually more, probably 45,000 people in the, in the radar camp, and Sioux Falls was half that. But uh, they were only in a bus to go out to the Neptune Ballroom, which is out by the uh, Yankton Trails. No, okay. But the, uh, the bus sat there, and he sat there, and he finished his, his uh, Coney Island, uh, you know, chili dog and whichever. And he decided, well, he just hopped on the bus, drove him out there, came back, and and uh, had the rest of his coffee, and he said, "Now you know the limitations are run out." But that's, he actually stole a bus. He said. <laughs> <laughs> but what what what's what's you know if you look back now as as you do now in in your uh, you know our age, right? Uh, what what's the the thing that means or you, you think is probably the best thing you did in radio? Oh boy, the it would be tough to top, and this is actually in genuine journeys of life from an impact standpoint. Well, uh, let me twofold. From a memorable event, it's tough to top Chad McKenzie living in a van for a week. I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. was, what, 100 feet off the ground? Uh, yeah, yeah, six stories, whatever that yeah, is. Well, 60, yeah. 70. Yeah. Yes, and down at where Vernita used to be, 22nd mm-hmm. in Minnesota, so it was one of the highest points in Sioux Falls, and he's living in a van that is suspended by a crane up in the air and broadcasting not just radio but TV. And the funniest part to me about that was, even though it was, you know, that was unbelievable that we pulled that off and there were a ton of people that, you know, would gather and Chad was throwing out money and prizes and stuff over the course of time. It was a great promotion. But a year later, Chad and I, without telling anyone, decided that for April Fool's Day, we would say that that's what he was doing. He actually took the station van, went to his house, parked the the garage, in, er, parked the van in his garage, and broadcast as if he was again. In, now, a year before that, that would have been the worst April Fool joke because. What do you mean you're hanging? Well, a bunch of people had actually seen it happen. So 
we had people calling, trying to find out where he was. And he'd always get to the point where I hope folks will stop by and see me. I'm over and, and he'd kind of cut out or we'd turn him off or whatever the case may be. I even had one of the salespeople came marching into the studio and she was so mad. She called me everything but a child of God. And she was mad because we hadn't told her. Was that Mary? That she, yes, it was. <laughs> that that she would have had the opportunity to sell it. She thought it was a real thing mm-hmm. also. And, and she could have gotten sponsors and et cetera. And when I told her that it was a joke, she wasn't any happier with me then. <laughs> well, we're, uh, Mike and Rickson were talking about radio, but uh, the sports, uh, that, that uh, kind of became your, your uh, uh, route many years. Well, I've done sports now, uh, let's see, 1976. So this is my 46th year of, mm-hmm. of broadcasting games of some sort. Well, what's, what's the biggest game that you think you did? Uh, I don't know about that. I There's been so many great ones. You know, the best tournament I ever did was the 2007 Girls A tournament out in Spearfish because it, there was a ton of talent. You could have gone back on Monday, started over, and had a completely different one through eight. Vermillion won it that year. Jamie Parrish, the head coach at Washington, was the uh, coach then and, in Vermillion. And... You woke up every morning and you were in spearfish. You know, that was that, on somebody else's dime. So that was that was pretty good. It is funny, though, John, because I got into this business because of sports. And when I, I had done sports every place I had been until I got to Kello. And so when I came to Kello, and basically I took this job because back then we owned stations in Wichita, Madison, Wisconsin, and Minneapolis, I think. And I thought, I'll get my foot in the door, and I'll go be the third-string sideline reporter for University of Wisconsin, you know. But other opportunities opened up. I was doing afternoons, doing mornings. Um, the kids get to a certain age. You know, all of those things that play into why why you don't continue to, you know, chase a career. And uh, so when I did get back to doing sports, people were surprised that I had done sports. Well, no, actually, I was surprised I did mornings. I'd always done sports. So yeah, it, it's been a, a rather circular route. Well, I think people can hear the passion and the joy that you have. I, but uh, if you could go back, would you change anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not one of those guys that says I wouldn't change the thing. I'd, I'd change I'd change a heck of enough a lot of things. There's jobs I'd stay at. There's there's jobs I wouldn't have taken in the first place. Um, but the best part, back to your, your first question about the fact, this goes all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, the fact that we've been able to do some good. Can you, how much money in the course of time have you raised, John, through through the announcements, through, you know, what the things that you have done on the radio, how, you know, what I, we've I, been able to do with charities. I actually did one of the first jail and bail things where I stayed in jail. Right, <laughs> right. They, they actually had to raise the money to bail me out. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. We've been able to make a difference in so many people's lives. Mm-hmm fundraisers for individuals you know sick kids for organizations for civic clubs whatever it may be that's i i hope that's what we can all take away what would you like to say to people just off the cuff right now thanks 
I really would like to say thanks. Uh, it's it's amazing to me how many people. I'm a pig farmer from Hampton, Nebraska, and the fact that people know who I am is just astounding to me. I, I like you said, I've been lucky enough. I've been able to keep my real name. I've been able to go places I never would have thought I could go and do things I never thought I could do. But I'm just grateful because without people listening and tuning in, none of that happens. So I am grateful and I say thank you. Well, going back to the sports, who would you like to see at a, at a sports reunion? Oh, at a sports reunion? Jim Burt. Yeah. I, I want to see Jim Burt because I didn't know Jim that well. And I would like to get to know him better. Bring back Danny O. I knew Danny O really well, but there's there's a lot of local folks that I would like to like to bring back. Yeah, and the Jim Burt School of Broadcasting was give the score at the beginning and at the end of the game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he actually headed up the uh, Howard Wood Grand Opening for the new Howard Wood Field back right, then. Right. Right. And he told Dave Bedwick, "Don't predict any rain because we're going to have this big celebration at Howard Wood." And of course, Dave Bedwick had to. You know, say so you know, the forecast is going to be rain. You know, so he threw a bucket of water on him. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Burt always went long right. on the TV audio back then. But he would, you know, it's supposed to be like five minutes. Well, he would do seven, eight, nine minutes. You know, he, right? Dave Dudwick went up and cut the mic cord with a pair of scissors, <laughs> and Jim kept talking. That's what I'm saying. Is you know, broadcasting is uh, a way of life. It's not for everybody. It's but, not uh, for everybody. Those that have the passion, uh, right? We can recommend it. Uh, Mike Hendrickson, I want to thank you very much for being with us on Forum. My pleasure, and thank God, uh, thank God that God gave me this voice because He didn't give me many other skills. So thank heavens for radio. <laughs>